0: Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 1050, a bonus episode posting this week because it's very special, which I'll explain in a second. Uh, But if you are out in the country of America, go to wizardguitar.com. I will be touring around uh, doing stand-up and bringing my wizard guitar. Right now, I'm in San Francisco. Today's date is February 29th. Oh my gosh, the Phantom 29th of February. A leaping year, they would say. And next weekend, I was supposed to be in Sacramento. And my deepest apologies, I had to move the date because I'm shooting something And the schedule just landed next weekend And we only just found out And it was unchangeable And so I apologize But I am moving those dates to August So I'll be in Sacramento I think August 6, 7, and 8 So that definitely did get moved So I apologize Just put off a handful of months So please still come back uh, in August I hope to see you there And at other places If you go to wizardguitar.com Boston's coming up brea california minneapolis denver lots of cities but now let's talk about you the id10t community events at id10t.com like nicole rose who came to the show at the punchline in san francisco with her incredibly nice uh husband and they she is a huge disney fan and she actually makes custom mickey ears now if you at all Whether or not you're a Disney fan, but if you are a Disney fan, you will understand the gravity and importance of this because Disney creates a bunch of, um, you know, like they cycle through uh, different Mickey ears. Like they do them seasonally. They theme them around things. And, you know, they're basically just things that when they come out, we run at at the mouse and say, take my money. And so Nicole – but, you know, maybe they don't always have the mouse ears that you want. Nicole Rose actually makes – custom Mickey ears, which is so unbelievably cool. Uh, you should go to her Instagram, which is Nicole Rose crafts N I C O L E Rose R O S E crafts, uh, C R A F T S. But they were so incredibly sweet and, uh, her work is fantastic. So I just wanted to give it a shout out. So if you want your thing on the podcast, you can either just give me your card in person at a show. I'll happily mention it. Or you can email us at events at ID 10 T.com. com. Okay. Now, this special episode it's not that you know it's a specially themed episode it's just the guest i am i was uh particularly just in awe of and delighted that she came on It's Carol Kane who is just a comedy legend well a, a comedy just like acting uh she has been in so many. Not not only has she been in so many of my favorite things, but she gives legitimately flawless and memorable performances in everything she's in. And it doesn't even matter how many lines. She, like, she can have a major part or a small part. You know, she could be in it for a couple minutes like Princess Bride and still – or Scrooge. And, and y- y- whatever she does is generally, like, th- a standout thing. And so I got to sit down with her, and she was just f- fantastic, such a sweet and wonderful human being. I mean, it was it, – these are the moments that – listen, I love doing the podcast, but being able to convince people that I idolize to come on and talk to me. And she tells some great Andy Kaufman stories. Oh, my God. She was just phenomenal. So uh, I believe that you will enjoy this episode. Um, She's promoting actually not a comedy. She's in Hunters, which is the uh, Jordan Peele produced show for Amazon Prime that uh, Al Pacino stars in, and it's about Nazi hunters in the 70s, and it looks incredible. So, Carol Kane, um, I don't know if you're listening to this or not, but let me just (laughs) heap some more love and adoration onto you, and thank you for coming on. And thank you for listening to episode 1050 of the ID10T podcast, which... Starts now. Initiating ID10T protocol.
1: This room with this great—is it wallpaper? It is wallpaper. Painted? Yeah, it's wallpaper. Oh, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, my wife is uh, when I was redoing this downstairs. She just had this extra paper that's in our house, and she goes here, take this, and I'm like, it's
1: perfect. It is perfect. I yeah
0: love it. It's supposed to, you know, it's uh, transformative. It's supposed to feel peaceful it is. and relaxing. Yeah, you,
1: it is Do you live in L.A.
0: or are you New York? No,
1: I live in New York.
0: You're New York, and do you get to spend a lot of time in L.A.?
1: I'm not. Anymore, I I used to sort of work here a lot, but um, I don't know why. But my last two shows, which is Kimmy Schmidt and yeah. H- Hunters, uh, they shoot in Brooklyn, so I get oh. to you know commute from my apartment, which is great. That's for me. fantastic.
0: Yeah, because a lot a lot of friends who are actors who go, yeah, I can't deal with L.A. I'm going to go to New York. They usually end up coming back. Like there's just not enough work in New York, oh, you really? know, for television I've been acting. So lucky, yeah. Oh, that's good. Are you doing any theater stuff at the moment?
1: Well, I would just I did a workshop of a play that Elaine May wrote. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't, it was just a workshop. so. Yeah. But I hope we get to do it in, in the future, yeah.
0: And theater was, I mean, theater is kind of your foundation, I imagine. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. how I started. That's how you started. I'm. I remember watching Taxi and First Run. Like I watched it week to week when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, you must have been very young.
0: I was young, but I still like. I loved you comedy, gotta, and huh? I absolutely loved it. And at that time, did you think like, oh, well, I'll, I'll be a theater actor. Maybe I'll do television and film. I don't know. Or was that part of the goal, or is it just like acting is acting no matter what?
1: Acting is acting. Although I must tell you. <clears throat> The first I had not, uh, in those days, back in the
0: day, <laughs> back in the 1900s. After, yes, you know,
1: turn of the century. <laughs> oh my gout's uh, acting up before again. the radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, there was a thing where if you were in movies, you did not do television. Right. It was considered, you know, beneath you to do television. It was very separate right. in those days. Not at all anymore, but. um so the first time I did it, I really looked down upon it, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I thought that the producers were like people from Nabisco, so I thought producers <laughs> right. meant, you know, the people that had the money, right. had the s- cereal or whatever. And so I thought that Jim Brooks, who might be the funniest writer alive, uh I- Along with Tina Fey and a few few others, um, I thought that he was a guy from Nabisco or something. <laughs> so so he came to my dressing room after half hour and in in the theater half hour when they call half hour, um, nobody interrupts you. They don't come to talk to you in your dressing room or anything like that it's like sacred preparation time and jim came and knocked on my door and i was just appalled i said you know this is after a half hour and i I, i'm getting ready and he was so great he was so respectful of that he just understood and he didn't get offended and, and he basically left Oh, that's really funny, <laughs> I know it. I was such a fool.
0: <laughs> well, you didn't know it was it was different I,
1: I didn't know and and i I mean, I knew that the writing was brilliant, and I had seen an episode that Jack Guilford did, mm-hmm. and I figured well, if Jack can do it, then I can do it
0: right but... <laughs> did and once you started doing it, did it change your perception of oh, what it was yes yeah.
1: once i I started to feel that I should pay them because. The lines that they gave me and and the scripts just consistently were so brilliant. I just thought, oh, my God, I can't believe they paid me to say, you know, peel me like a grape so I can get out of here. <laughs> I, I get to say that. It, it was such a gift, you know.
0: Yeah. But Simka's character, too, was so like, I mean, yes, the words were funny, but you you found that character too. Yeah. And did you was that part of the, like, what was the audition process for well, that? Well, I
1: didn't audition. You didn't, yeah. they just offered Jim it to Jim you. Jim offered it to me. And um, then it was all about, you know, getting to know Andy and uh, Jimmy Burroughs, who uh, directed Taxi. Uh, oh, I'm talking about Taxi. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. uh, Jimmy Burroughs, he got Andy and I together before we started working and and we met, and so that was great. And then uh, Andy took... Okay, this is... You want a little story? Yes, please. (laughs) So we decided that we would go out for dinner. Uh, I probably... Decided that we would go out for dinner because I I wanted to learn his language, you know, Latka's language, because I I was from the same place and I wanted it to really sound right like him. And so he said, Well, uh, so I I arrived at his house for dinner and we agreed that we would go someplace that no one would recognize us. (laughs) So when I get there, and he says, yes, well, I thought we would go to Mexico. <laughs> and I just, I was a little taken aback, but I thought, you, you're you just going to hang in there and you're going to roll with the punches. You know, if Andy wants to go to Mexico, that's you're where gonna we're go. going. So then he's on the phone in the kitchen for like a half an hour and I'm waiting in the living room. And I said, (laughs) I came into the kitchen and said, Andy, you know, if we're going to go to Mexico, I think we better start. (laughs) We better leave. (sighs) And he looks at me like I am crazy and says, Mexico? Mexico? You really thought we were going to go to Mexico? Like, I'm the one that's crazy.
0: (laughs) But by the way, that totally sounds like something he would do.
1: Yes, that's the thing. That does sound like something... He would And it would be a st- it
0: would be a story. Oh, when he first met Carol Kane, he said he was going to Mexico and she thought he was kidding, and they went to Mexico. Yeah, like it yeah. totally sounds like an Indie Coffin thing. I
1: know. So I don't think I was too much of a fool for believing him, <laughs> but apparently I was.
0: I thought I thought for some reason I thought he was gonna say we should go to a restaurant where no one recognizes us and we should just be these characters.
1: Well, so we did go to a Chinese restaurant on La Cienega, and how we arranged it is that um we would talk in the language and I, I would get i wanted to get his rhythm and everything and i would tell him in english what i wanted to order and then when the waiter came i would order it in andy's language and Andy would translate, (laughs) and and it worked out very well. And we talked uh, in his language for quite a while, and it was a very specific rhythm, you know. Uh, But even though in the script, you know, our lines were written out in English, oh, gotcha, and and then and we just um, picked up with that language, and then there were just a few words that were repeated and meant something that everybody knew like yatta bay right. was you know
0: the buns but yeah. the buns yeah
1: and anyway he he was very generous about that
0: That's really cool. I mean because at that time to be on a sitcom at that time when literally like 50 million people would tune in to a sh- I mean, it's yeah. insane to think of. What- it was so
1: great. And so great to have an audience. Right. It, coming from theater it, and, and movies. For me, it was like the dream job because it was a play being filmed in right. front of an audience. Right. So it could react to you and everything. So yeah. It was uh, the best of everything.
0: And did you feel... I feel like that was a period of time where if you were on a show like Taxi on a Thursday, on Friday, everyone was like, oh, my God, I know who you are. Like, yeah. you know, out, outside of the theater community, like the mainstream public. Well,
1: that, that was uh, – it's very shocking to be on TV and see how many people recognize you. Yeah. But, you know, like recently having Kimmy, even though that was like a, a resurgence for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden, everybody at the grocery—you know, the the checkout people at the grocery store—and everybody knew me. All of a sudden, it was very surprising.
0: Yeah, and I also imagine that was there was a now everyone understands how shows are made and they know that people are characters. But I wonder if back then people really thought you were from some bizarre country, like
1: maybe did I don't did, know.
0: did people did people like try to talk to you in that language in public or did they? No,
1: people tried to get me to talk in that language. Oh, sure. Sure. And, And then, especially after we were canceled and then people would try and get me to talk in that language. And, I couldn't do it, and I literally couldn't do it. And I think they thought I was just being stuck up or something. But the thing is, you really have to practice that rhythm and everything. It doesn't just happen automatically.
0: Right, because it is actually a very articulate form, and there is – like it's not just blah 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 like no. there are very specific like consonants and syllables yeah. and yeah yeah
1: so um yeah but nobody really i think tried to talk to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then after that because you you there are so many i mean you you've you've decorated so many iconic things mm-hmm. in our in our culture
1: Thank um
0: you. and and i wonder you know is it Do do you have any awareness of that? Or is it just like job to job, you kind of go to your job, you know, move on, go to the next one, go to the next one? Yeah,
1: and and really, really worry about being okay and doing okay. And and that's how it is for me. It's not, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm always nervous and always afraid that I won't live up to what they want. And sure. So that's how it is for me. <laughs> do, you think
0: that's, do you think that's good? Do you think performers need a bit of that? Because a friend of mine describes that as like, well, that's the fire, you know? And oh, it's like, really? Yeah, but it doesn't always feel great, you know? And I go, yeah. yeah, but, you know, if you were super comfortable and super, you know, like, just didn't worry about that stuff all the time, would you be as driven to, to be the performer that you are? I,
1: I, I don't know because I... The actual oh, there's Rick. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the uh, we got the Rick. Some a friend of mine did uh, Rick Moranis as Ziggy Stardust. Oh, that's uh, cool. Up on the thing oh, I then, love it. And then Paul Rubens as a zombie. B. Herman as a zombie. Paul. Yeah.
1: You know, Paul has a one man show uh, touring now. Oh,
0: he's touring a show now. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah,
1: and uh, they extended the tour, and he's coming to the Beacon in New York. Oh, that's
0: everything. fantastic. I know.
1: It's so great. Um I forgot Oh, I was going to say in answer to your question about the nerves and stuff. I I don't think there's any one rule, you know. I know some some people that are just cool as a cucumber and are brilliant. Yeah. And then other people that just are going to throw up, you know. (laughs) It's true. So I don't think there's a a rule.
0: Are you fine once you do a thing or do you... Do you kind of go back and second guess? Oh, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, that could have been better. That was better. To this some
1: was- extent, yes. Um, like with Taxi, um, I it, it was Ed Weinberger and Jim Brooks, Stan Daniels, those were the writer-producers. And Jim was very, uh, you know, critical in a very, very... Artistic and constructive and helpful way, Mm -hmm. so that um, you know uh, how how many great artists are very uh, perfectionist. Sure. So I on taxi. I always felt that if Jim laughed, then it was okay, right, and he had a very specific laugh that you could you could hear when it was Jim, and then you could sort of have a sigh of relief that you were okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Was it was it the kind of the standard sitcom? Like, okay, you know, you work Monday through Thursday, you do like a studio run through or a yeah, network run through, and then you shoot it Friday, and then you shoot it Friday night. It was wonderful! Oh, that schedule is the best.
1: That schedule is the only civilized schedule <laughs> in show business, truly, because you know, if you have children or, or family or something, then. You know, it's a nine-to-five job, four days a week, and then right. there's one very long day on Friday. Yeah. So civilized.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's maybe like three weeks on, one week off. Oh, exactly. You know, it's not, it's really yeah. not oppressive in any way.
1: Them's were the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, oh, uh, now the single camera days. like, hey, oh you can my be there from, God. oh, your call time's 8 p.m., ah, crap, ah, oh, I'm going to no, be there all night. No, call
1: time's 4 p.m. sometimes. Oh, I mean, yeah it's just brutal and uh it's hard to learn to do, like it was hard for me to learn to do comedy uh with no response right it, you know kimmy e. Schmidt was the first time i ever did you know single camera with comedy right. and and, and it, it's very difficult because you're doing this scene and If people find it amusing, like if Tina Fey finds it amusing, she can't laugh. Right. Because she's, you know, they're filming. Right. So so you really don't know. You're just floating, wondering.
0: Yeah. And also, especially with single camera, there's a lot in the editing that also informs how a joke lands and how it's going to play anyway. So like a lot of it's. It's a mystery. Even, it's a mystery. It's like not even in your control.
1: No. So, but yeah. Uh-huh.
0: What what's some of your like when you know, when you get a role, like what's some of your um process for unpacking it, figuring out how to digest it, how to develop the character? Do you do a lot of that in advance or do you kind of need to be in the moment of it to sort of figure out, oh, this feels right in the moment of it?
1: That also varies a lot for me. Like there's some things I've done that required a tremendous amount of research, you mm-hmm. know, because like Hester Street that yeah. takes place turn of the century, Russian Jews coming over and speaking Yiddish and now that, you know, that you cannot just no, arrive and you can't. In, you can't, in that. That. You can't. <laughs> um but then there are other things like for instance, Kimmy, where I didn't really know how to do it. Uh Maybe the f- whole first year I I felt that I was sliding around and I wondered if I had gotten her or not, you mm-hmm. know, and just had to trust that Tina and Robert, if I didn't get it, were going to speak up, you right. know. and uh, But I was uncomfortable because I really wasn't sure right. that I was doing what they wanted, you know. But then I kind of, you know, relaxed into her. So that, that's a an example of just going in there and you know swimming around blind and trying to find Lillian
0: sure 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 I mean do you think our internal judge is helpful or because sometimes it's sort of hard to have the correct perspective you know because you think you're doing something one way but it's hard to
1: oh it's so it's
0: hard to tell
1: but I suppose you know yeah i don't know like i say i do know people whose inner judge is is kind right uh and probably more people whose inner judge is brutal sure uh uh, but uh i I think you have to have something going on in that way right I, I, i mean i don't know you know like for instance andy he he was a performance artist and uh um, I don't think that he, I know he did not approach the work in the way I did. Sure. Because we had a constant um, sort of long term differences thing. Because I, being from the theater, I wanted to rehearse a lot. I love rehearsing. <laughs> right. And Andy, being from stand up or performance art, I call it. Sure. Stand up also. Yeah. He just did not want to rehearse because it was bad for his process. Mm -hmm. And so then um, every Friday, when, because he, and he only was there two days a week. Oh, wow. The read through and Friday for the shoot. And that was in his contract, you know, because he, they hired uh, Andy to play a character that he was doing in stand up called Foreign Man. Mm -hmm. And that became Latka. And so they wanted him and he said there's only a certain way i can do this and this is the way and and that did not involve rehearsing right Uh, so there was a fake andy a guy named jeff (laughs) and he used to wear a little sign around his neck and said andy (laughs) and he would rehearse with us all week you know and then andy would come and i would be like why can't you you know be there and rehearse with us and And he he would say, well, I understand that, you know, you want that and and maybe need that. But the thing is, I just can't do it. It's just not good for me. And and then I would say, yeah, I understand that you can't do it. And, And then we would have this discussion every week before we hit the stage and by the time we ended the discussion, we were together, mm-hmm. and, and and we needed to because we were in love and everything. So, but we had it repeatedly because I couldn't get over it, and he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't change, and I couldn't get over it. And then we would find a common ground and be together and have so much fun.
0: I mean, I feel bad for Jeff, who probably watched those episodes with his family and said, "I'm, I, I've I, put more time into this than yeah. the guy that you're seeing on camera," but. You know, yeah. you can't argue. It's hard to argue with the results. I mean, like, that no. that character... I can't remember if Lodka was supposed to be such a standout character or if he just... Told, I think he
1: just was.
0: He just was. And it just sort of clicked in, mm-hmm. in that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that... Man, I, I just can't even imagine what that must have been. And especially, like... You know, when television has that much power in the 70s and all of a sudden a show is really popular and it's like – and I don't really know any – I'm not digging for any gossip or dirt or anything. But I just wonder, like, I know what happens when a show has been around for a little while in success. Everyone kind of gets antsy and it's like, oh, who's the star of the show? Like it can get a little weird and, you know, like I I just wonder is is, is there – you know, like it's not even just navigating yourself and the work but also like – In any long-term production, you're probably navigating personalities evolve in the midst of stuff, too. Of course, everybody's doing
1: that. But uh, a lot of us had worked, you were fairly seasoned Mm -hmm. um, by the time we came to Taxi, even though, well, I I was pretty young. But but still, I I started when I was 14. I was in both unions when I was 14. And Danny, of course, had done a ton of stage and and Judd, you Mm -hmm. know so and mary lou done you know Greece and whatever so um i think that it was a rarity because i think that those of us who had been working for a while understood that we were in heaven mm-hmm that yeah. we were that we had the best best writers going and that we were pr- privileged to do it and 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 i know because i've been on other shows that Sometimes people don't understand, and they sort of wish they could move on and do a different show, or you know it's not exciting or the part isn't big enough, and they'd rather be somewhere else and, right and Then I think when a year or two goes by, and they see what they left, then they realize, but I think we realized actually in the moment that we were incredibly lucky and you know, we, we've we stayed very close, all of us. I've oh, that's very really
0: close. nice to hear. Oh, yeah. That makes me happy because it, you know, when you sort of track the history of sitcoms, I was just reading that part of the reason why in the 60s we had all these, like, Bewitched and Brady Bunch is because they were really trying, there was so much, um there was so much social change going on and very serious issues and war mm, and yeah. and civil rights and all these all these incredible changes happening in our culture and so there was a real push to like let's make television entertainment as much of a and like as Fantastical as possible, so. escape. Escape. It's very idealized, and there were a lot, you know, the monsters and bewitched. And, I know, isn't
1: that funny? Yeah. yeah and so that... it
0: was like, so it was like it wasn't reality because it was trying to. Be... And then in the seventies, you know, you get Taxi, you get Norman Lear sitcoms, and you get this return in SNL, this return to like real comedy, like real yeah. gritty, edgy comedy, and so good
1: stories. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And then also in the movies, like some the movies I got to do in the 70s were just amazing, you know. That was a a very special time in the movies, you know, with Sidney Lumet and Hal Ashby and Mike Nichols and all those people making Milos Forman and making these very individual, brilliant movies, you know. uh, Woody and, yeah. It's really,
0: it's so interesting how... How we see ourselves and how the mind can work sometimes, because you know, on paper, if you looked at if if you looked at all of your credits as though you were someone else, as though that person was someone else, you go, "Wow, this person on paper they are real good. Like they work with these amazing people." But at the time, you're just sort of like plowing through it, just trying to keep your head down. I imagine
1: and do good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And was there any particular director that you? Because I imagine all of those amazing directors, they all have different styles and ways yeah. of communicating and ways of getting what they want. And so how how are you navigating that? Like, how does that affect, you know, your performance when you have to, like, you know, create a new relationship with a different style every time?
1: Well, for, for, okay, fortunately... Incredibly fortunately, my first actual role in a movie, because I had done extra work for a long time uh-huh. when I started at 14, then my first actual role um, was in a movie directed by Mike Nichols. Mm-hmm. It was called Carnal Knowledge and yep. Jack Nicholson. And um, yeah, so, and Mike was the most extraordinary genius. And one of his big, big, biggest gifts is that he made you feel that you could do no wrong. Therefore, you could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. It it gave you so much freedom because he said it and you could tell that he meant it. Right. And... A lot of the better directors were like that. I mean, Hal, too. Like, Hal would sit next to the camera in less detail. And, you know, he'd be, because in those days, directors were on set next to the camera. They weren't in what we now call Video Village, you know, (laughs) so far away. They were right there. And Hal was so involved with every scene that he would just crack up out loud when, <laughs> when we were shooting, which of course makes the take unusable, which he knew. But he was just so spontaneous and so in love with the process that he just did. He couldn't help it. Oh, he, that's you, fantastic. You know, and yeah, you know. And uh, Sydney when we did Dog Day Afternoon, And we rehearsed for a month, a month, so that we were running through the script like a play. We could run it from top to bottom Mm -hmm. before we started shooting. Oh, wow. And that was his style, you know. Wow.
0: That's really great. And I imagine each time you are picking up little bits of things here and there, which kind of grow your own... Mm performance repertoire
1: totally and 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 you you learn that you have to be extremely flexible you know and and, and adjust to each new atmosphere it's the atmosphere right. that the director creates you right. know and that's a big part of what they do is they create the atmosphere around and in which you will be trying to create you know
0: and uh, acting to me is is always I mean I I do I do com I do stand up I've n- n- I've never really acted a whole lot but it's the thing that scares me about it is that you just have no autonomy over like you got to wait to get hired even when you're hired like you still you know like you got to do what they say it has to be within even if you don't agree with it it's like well Okay, I got it. This is what they want. I got you know. I'm hired. I can't you know. And yeah. so finding-
1: and then and then also it gets edited, and it it could be thrown <laughs> on the floor.
0: Totally. One
1: I had another big scene in *Carnal Knowledge* that got edited out before it opened, and, and so yeah, you really can't. Uh, You're not your own boss, that's for sure.
0: Right. But you still have to find a way to... I mean, I guess it's a good metaphor for life. All you can really control is what you can... How you react. What you give.
1: What what you give.
0: And that's it.
1: You're right. And, you know, that is a hard thing to get used to. uh, But you got to get used to it.
0: Right. When... I mean, obviously, you know, uh, I'm sure... Princess Bride is an amazing standout role and you're in the movie for maybe like five or six minutes I guess so. with Billy Crystal and how it's how lucky is that and then it's you know so for a movie like that do you uh, are, do they say you know well come in she's this like the wife of a of a like a medicine sorcerer is it when you get the makeup on and the prosthetics and everything and then you're like oh okay I see who she is now
1: No, that's not how it worked. (laughs) But thank you, because that was really interesting. (laughs) Uh, How it worked. In this case, I did not have to audition. Thank you, Rob. And um, I knew about it uh, long enough uh, ahead to uh, get together with Billy. And we read the book... uh, and then we got together and we talked through our backstory. Y you, you know, we created a backstory for uh for the couple and um you know, and then we talked with Rob ahead of time and, and you know, it was written very clearly and beautifully and uh and and so by the time we went to shoot we, we We had a good idea of of who we were and who we were as a couple, you Right. Know, you, you know, and then they do put that makeup on, and that is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it takes so long, and uh, the hair and the f- fake hair, and the, in, that, in that case, we had uh, cloudy contact lenses oh, yeah. so that we would look old, so you couldn't see or anything. Right. it was a, an adventure. And then Rob is another laugher, by the way. Oh, well he's like, directed. he'll be on the set and start laughing. <laughs> it, it, you know. And that that's sort of really fun, too, because you know that's real if they laugh while they're shooting. you know. Well,
0: that movie in particular, I, I, Carrie Elwes was just on a couple
1: like, Oh, a yeah, ago. I love Carrie.
0: That movie in particular just sort of feels like at every turn, every part of it was just fun. I mean, it looked yeah. like everyone was totally free to just, like, have fun, go big, have a good time. This isn't, you know.
1: I think um, it's not a... a Telling tales out of school to say That um, Mandy broke A rib during that scene Because he was laughing So (laughs) trying not you know and his Character was so serious Right. Right very Always serious and then Billy was just cracking them all of us up so much you know and I feel sorry for Carrie how he lay there dead uh, only, <laughs> only mostly dead only mostly the, dead Billy said um, I don't know how he did that <laughs> with Billy just like you know riffing on everything in the most brilliant way and and like I say I think Mandy tried so hard not to laugh that he broke a rib
0: oh man that's you know that's if you're gonna break a rib that's not a that's terrible way that's a good way, way to do that's it a good way to break a rib are you able to do you watch your stuff like or do you go to the screenings are you able to watch stuff or do you not like to some people don't like to have their performances informed by you know getting in their head about what they're seeing uh
1: you mean watch it before it's after like after. when it's done um okay that is something that yeah i don't like it too much and i must tell you and i'm really sorry about it uh That as I grow old, you know, older, uh, it's really hard for me to look at my face, you know, because uh, I think like many people in my mind, I still look like I did when I was young because I still feel like I did when I was young. And then all of a sudden, you know, accidentally I look in a mirror or... You have to watch yourself when you do ADR, which is when you replace dialogue. For some reason, the sound wasn't good or they want to change a word or whatever. You have to look at yourself because you have to sync up what you're saying with what you're doing on screen. And that is torture for me now.
0: You know, honestly, I think people – I think we just see things that other people don't see. And that is surprising to me because – Sincerely, you look amazing, and Thank it's you. it. It really. Uh, I
1: wasn't fishing for I'm that, not, and I'm not. I was <laughs> just telling you, it's gotten harder since I was when I was young. I think it was a lot easier to to, to look, you know.
0: I just I I think often we see, we notice every molecular change and everything yeah. that other people don't. People just don't see that stuff, and I don't. I certainly, I so. uh, yeah. I, I I honestly I'm. There, there's nothing about it you know like everyone it's just what happens if we're lucky enough to be around, around. We, we, well, we do but but and
1: and i and i know that part of it too i'm i'm very grateful to be okay and i'm very grateful that people still want me to work you know and uh but still just to look is really hard like i uh uh saw a screening last night of hunters mm-hmm. which is this incredibly brilliant new show I'm, I'm on uh, uh with Al Pacino. Yeah. And, Al, and I, I when I look at myself on that, I just look like such an old lady to myself. No, and not then my, at all. Uh, a friend of mine said, no, no a friend of mine said what you said, but I can't help it. That's what I see, you know. Oh my god.
0: If I could remove that from your brain I would, would you?
1: Yes, I would. I'll stay if you can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, um, listen, I dabble in amateur surgery. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. No, but so going from that, was was Scrooged after Princess Bride or was it the the reverse? Uh,
1: And I believe it was after.
0: It was after. That's another one where it's like that, you know, the Ghost of Christmas Present could have been anything. I know. And yet, you know, such a strong, fun, you know, know, to make her this ethereal... Basically, this ethereal Tough. brute. Brute.
1: Yeah. I know. Billy would agree with you. But it, because I, I gave him a hard time. And sometimes, <laughs> like, especially when I had my wings on and I was jumping around in the kitchen and he was right behind me, sometimes they would hit. You know. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't quite control them. Yeah. They were in back of me, you know. Yeah. So I think Billy would agree that I, I was a brute. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you. Okay, so my dear friend, who is no longer with us, the great Michael O'Donoghue, mm-hmm. um and Mitch Glazer, who's still writing and wonderful, they they wrote that part, and um, I think they they wanted me to do it, you know. And uh, but I auditioned for Dick Donner, and uh, it went okay. But I have to say, the way it was written, it, it felt it just. I just did what. They wrote and and that's how it came out. Plus, Dick was so helpful, and um, there was—I'll tell you a lot about how that part grew. And that was that um, the character is supposed to do a little ballet dance when she first comes on with right. the bubbles and the things and sparkles. And so, I learned ballet dance. Um, through a, a fabulous teacher named Jillian Hessel, and I actually got on point and everything by the time we were done, and I thought that I was doing such a good job, and so I and I was in just like a room on the studio lot rehearsing while they were shooting and on another a sound stage. And then Dick Donner sent Michael Riva, who was the brilliant, brilliant um, designer, set designer of *Scrooged*. Um, he sent Michael in to go check out the dance. Right? I was supposed to have a double at the for the real, you know, for the sure, you know, with the point. And but but I still had to be, you know, they had to be able to cut back to me. Uh, In between and have my face and stuff I worked so hard Michael comes in He sits on the floor I start my dance And I'm so serious about it It meant so much to me to be good And he just gets hysterical laughing instantly When he saw what I was doing I was trying to be great Really He's laughing and laughing So he goes to Dick Donner, and he tells him how funny it is, uh, 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 me trying so hard and being so (laughs) awkward and clumsy. (laughs) And between the two of them, Dick made the decision that he wanted me to do it that way and not have the double, not have a real dancer in there. So I think that that, I really have to say, I think that she was, between the great script for me and that thing of starting out so stupid, you know, uh, uh, and so awkward and trying so hard to do good. And, and, and Dick just really wanting me to have total freedom. Right. That's how she was born, that combination of
0: Right, things. right. That she's... She was. She really was. She was trying really hard. She wanted it.
1: And having a great time all the time. Don't you think? Like, just having such a great time. But
0: underneath just this sort of, like, seething monstrous... I
1: know. The toaster, you know. I I know. This was just a wild character.
0: And so, do you have sort of a pattern of, like... um, I don't want to be away from theater too. I know you did Wicked for a long time. I did it for it, a long time. It, do, do, you, do you feel like, oh, if I'm away from theater too much, like that's really where my roots are. I need to go back as much as possible.
1: Um, I do want to go back. But, I, I well, I'm not famous enough to control the progress of my career. Like I can't say, oh, two years from now I'll sign on to do uh, – Glass Menagerie. Sure. And and they'll do it. Sure. And they'll wait two years for me or whatever. I, I'm not like it's not like that for me. If a if a lovely, lovely job comes along, I have to say yes. Okay. And um when I was young I was so tortured all the time about everything how to make decisions and what was the right thing to do and then i worked with charlie durning and i worked with him several times and we were working on when a stranger calls uh-huh. and i was as i say tortured about how how you make a career and how how you make the decisions and i said charlie you know what wh- how do you decide wh- what do you do uh and he said to me, I say yes to the first person that asks me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was such a brilliant answer. And it allowed me to have a freedom, you know. And basically, I'm not going to say yes to everything. Right. Uh, because some things are so bad or whatever. Sure. But basically, I I want to have forward motion. I, I don't want to sit home criticizing things i, I want to be there i want to be acting i want to be right. working with good people and learning and not be left alone in my head to be self-destructive or whatever i want to be there right so um that's the answer to that is that if it's a play and it comes up i i like it i really 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 dying to do it and that's fantastic there's no timing in it for me. Like, I, I can't control when I get back on stage. Right. Uh, although I just did a workshop of a play that I'm really hoping happens. But, you know, again, I can't control that either. So.
0: No, but it's so fun. It's, it's interesting to hear. you. It really feels like you evolved a lot really quickly because it sounds like you came in with a lot of ideas about what you thought the business was. But somehow, rather than being inflexible and being eaten by the industry, you somehow managed to like, oh, I better I better course correct. I better figure out yes, how to make this work. I
1: had to. I had to. I was going to be, you know, I was going to die of, of my own self-critical ways. And when I was very young, I'm ashamed to say that I would be critical. You know, I have a makeup artist that's a genius that I love. Uh and uh i was critical of her on on a movie called the lemon sisters and i it made me feel so bad mm-hmm. and and then I, I i realized that that's that's not how it is that the process of doing it is all there is you know and part of that process is to especially on movies is collaboration you know and just taking other people's ideas in not thinking oh it's gotta be my way (laughs) right right right. you gotta have it everybody's way you you have to be open and listen and learn and the thing just grows and grows that way so uh, i i learned from other people that i admired i learned to let go of that ridiculous uh perfectionism to some extent. Sure, you know, sure. Not completely. But, you know, I, I'm i sorry for the way it was when I started, and I'm grateful for having learned to let go of that stuff.
0: Well, that's the best you can do. I mean, it's like, you know, you make mistakes, and you learn from them, and you, you do better. It's a, but yeah. But the business you know it and they don't i don't imagine maybe there are some acting classes that do this but i don't imagine that at most acting classes are like okay we're t- we're going to do acting exercises today and then we're also going to talk about mental health and balance and how to keep your ego in check you that know that does like-
1: not happen and it would be a good course <laughs> it would be you a know good what? course i mean that would be a brilliant course <laughs> because it's really especially if you start out very young like and you're lucky enough to have some success when you're very young, you have no idea how to handle it. I mean, none. It's just like, what? You're in another world and, yeah, no idea.
0: Yeah, and then also we are constantly conditioned to think that everything is about us. You know, is like our social media feeds are just all up, our, our sort of carefully controlled images, and everything's about us. Well, and I don't at, have
1: that social you're, media. You're better off. Plus, they didn't have that when I was <laughs> starting out. You know.
0: <laughs> I mean, what an amazing time to not have to worry about that stuff too. It's just oh. like you go and you work, and you, you
1: go and you work. Yeah, that's
0: it. Now everything is so um, well, for the most part. The business is just so tied to how connected people are to yeah. the performers that they watch. Oh. And I know a lot of actors who are like, listen, I don't and my wife is one of them like, I don't want to share too much on social media because I want people to still believe that I can be these different characters and if they know too much Absolutely. about me, then it's kinda of hard to do that.
1: Yes, and I I sort of believe in um the thing about well, it's the Maasai warrior tribe believe that if People take their picture. They they take part of their soul right, away. Right. And I'm I'm still sort of in that frame of mind to sure. an extent. Sure. I don't I don't want anybody knowing because I I think it'll go away. Right. So yeah.
0: That is the sort of the other thing that's the interesting that you say that, too, because there is that because we work in a business. I mean, listen, in general, the world is not a controllable place, but this business in particular is tumultuous and mercurial and we don't know and it ebbs and flows. And so I think we do get superstitious because it, we just need to feel like we have some sense of control over our destinies. But, you know, in reality, we, we don't. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but, but, but we have control over the fact that uh, we can enjoy what we're doing while we're doing it. Yeah. Just at that moment. Yeah. But not figure out what's going to happen to it, because you just have no idea.
0: How long did it take for you to figure that out?
1: 78 years. Um, I probably uh, was in my 30s, uh, mid... Yeah, I'd say, like, my mid-30s, maybe.
0: Yeah, because, you know, like, when you're a little kid, it really is all about you because you have to survive and people have to attend to you. Then we're teenagers, and again, it's still, you know, like, you're developing, your hormones are raging, everything is about your world. Then in your 20s, you know, like... People get into their 20s and their 30s They get kicked around by life a little bit And they go, okay, right, this isn't all about This isn't all about me But but learning how to have a healthy relationship With your ego And go, I hear what you want me to do But I'm not really going to go that way Because I don't think that's healthy That's a skill set You really have to learn how to do that
1: Yeah, I don't even think I learned how to do that (laughs) What you were saying yet Because I think I think now I learned, as I get older, and have worked more and more. Now I learned that even though I think that's not the right way, I my way is is a better way. I've also learned that you got to try everything. Mm-hmm. So so if the director says blah blah blah, and that's not what I had in mind, I won't say what you said. Uh, uh, but I want to try it. To, I won't say that till after I've tried it their way. Sure. And then, then I, I'll I'll ask to try it my way if their way just still doesn't feel like it worked out. Right. You know. But I won't just refuse a direction, I'm going to try it, you know, because sure. what can it hurt?
0: Right. And yeah. also it could inspire you to have a whole other idea. Completely.
1: Or yeah. it could
0: show them like, oh, this really doesn't work. Okay, let's try it the way yeah. that you wanted to do it before. But that, again, that idea of collaboration in a business and in a culture, which I think does tend to feed people just being so like me 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 yeah. me you know it, you when you see people who continue to work over and over and over again like yourself on so many great things and i said this to i said this to carrie too because carrie's worked on a ton of stuff too and i said you must be pretty cool to work with because at a certain point you know like the business like people want to work with people that are easy to work with that show yes. up on time to- it's literally it's like do they show up, show on, up time? on time are they prepared are they perfect do they make everyone's job easier and that is a that's a whole other element well, as there, well
1: that, and that's a big element i think unless you are a big star and then they need you you know uh, enough to put up with being late and things like that which yeah. is unfortunate i mean it's unfortunate that Anybody needs to do that. Right. You know, because you're all together in the same old thing, you know. So, right. Uh, but but that's, that that happens and people get rehired because they're, you know, brilliant and, and, and their name means a great deal. And yeah.
0: Do you still feel the same kind of hunger for roles or it's like, oh, I want to try this and I want to try this other thing. Or I still there's so much I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. do. <laughs> That's great. And, and
1: there's just, just some plays I want to do, and there's, I mean, for, for instance, going back to Hunters, what I'm doing. Yeah, now. yeah, the Amazon series. Um, I went right from Kimmy Schmidt playing Lillian, who's just, you know, right out there, and no editing process. And <laughs> if she thinks or feels something, it's right out. It's happening. You yeah. know, it comes out of her mouth, and it's happening. So I, I went directly from that. Um, comedy, comedy, comedy To Hunters, which is Very dramatic And tough stuff A, a lot of it, mm-hmm. there, there's humor In fact, I think Al Pacino's the funniest <laughs> Character in it uh, <laughs> Even though he's also you know, Profound and everything There's a lot of humor, there's a lot of Wacky, like uh, almost comic Book visuals and Things yeah. like that but the story of my character and my husband's character is extremely dark. We were in a uh, concentration camp during the Holocaust with al mm-hmm. and 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 the, and the um the the story swings back and forth from those days of hitler mm-hmm. uh, and and then to New York in the seventies um where there's a group of people hunting Nazis yeah. that our government brought over to work here, which is a true story oh that I did God. not know. But once I got hired and I started researching, there's a ton of stuff you can read. It's uh, There's a book called Operation Paperclip, which are the stories, uh, the true stories of, of, of what happened and that we were competing with Russia to get the best scientists from Nazi scientists oh to to um, come over and work on the space program During and other scientific things, and even in the White House. Oh my God! And so I, I don't think there were a group of Nazi hunters like we are in the show, but there were Nazis. They got new names, new homes, new uh, accents, new looks, new, and they were here. And they were paid by the government to be here.
0: Oh, my God. And so this is obviously this is... The, this group that Al Pacino is sort of at the center of is basically yeah. just like weeding them out and so hunting them down. That's what we're doing. We're yeah. trying
1: to do that. Wow. Each of us for different reasons because uh, the group is very eclectic. You, you, you'll see when you see it, the, the hunters are just a wildly uh, eclectic group of people.
0: That must be fun for you then to be able to – not do the same thing from job to job to oh, job to job. it's
1: fantastic. Yeah. Because what you really don't want, or what I really don't want, is to play the same character over and over again. Different name, you know, different show, but basically do the same thing. Right. Oh boy, do I not want that. And well, and I've been lucky in that that hasn't happened.
0: Right. And also that gives you career longevity because they don't go, "Oh, you know, Carol just does this." It's like, "Oh my god, she can do anything. She does comedy well, and drama thank you and for characters and characters." But but that's also an interesting question that I have about when you're doing something like wicked where you're doing the same show oh. for years yeah and you still have to i mean at least with stand up if you get tired of a joke you can just write Change another one or joke. you can riff or you can <laughs> you know but when you're but you but you have to show up how many performances was it a week eight shows, eight shows, a, week. shows a week and every show has to you have to find some molecule of something that's new and fresh to you, you so that it's fresh to the audience so they're not like, boy, she's done this a lot. You know, like, so what, what is that? That's a whole other muscle.
1: Yes, but it's not the same as playing the same role over and over again uh, th- theoretically in different shows or whatever and being typecast. It's part of my training, you know, to to, to be... To allow for a spontaneity, even though you've done it over and over, and uh, as you say, you you really owe it to the audience, you know, to be present and alive each show. Really, y- you know, you can't just go go out saunter out there and like be an automatic pilot. You can't right. do. I mean, you could do it. But that would be really not right, in my opinion.
0: Right. Well, and at eight shows a week, you know, there's going to be performances where you probably have a cold or you don't feel great or you've got some crappy news before the show and you still have to, like, push it all out, go focus for that audience. Or
1: take it in and and try and put it into that day's performance. Yeah. You you know. Yeah. it's, It's a real discipline. I admire uh, anybody who, uh, I have a friend named Jonathan Freeman who's been on Broadway, I think, for like 20 years Oh wow! in, in all the different Disney shows, but now he's in Aladdin, you yeah. know. I don't know how that is survivable, <laughs> just physically, you know. Right. The stage is very hard on people physically, especially right. they have something called a rake stage, which... Uh, in Wicked on Broadway, the stage is raked, which means it's higher up at the back and goes down so that the audience can, the set works better that way. There's a perspective sure. that way. and But it is brutal on your body because it means that for the three hours you're on stage, you're crooked.
0: Yeah, the entire you, time. You, your
1: body is crooked. For a year. Yeah. You know, and you have to counterbalance that with a PT. They have PT people come like three times a week to make it that the actors can go on.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting what... I mean, you know, listen. I think to most people who aren't really familiar with acting, they go, hey, pretend. you're professional pretenders. That's not hard. And then, you know, but on the other hand, like... It's incredibly emotionally taxing, and the amount of focus, and the amount of energy, and the physicality, or or you have cloudy contacts in, and you're hunched over, and you're, you know, it's like it really the sacrifices that people will make to entertain people is
1: pretty Uh, remarkable. Except the other part of it's true, you are um, playing at the same time; you're playing different people, so there's that. A gift you're getting but in order to do it 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 takes a lot out of you yeah you, you know
0: and do you find that um are you a curious like in general is it what what sort of keeps you fresh is it curiosity is it sort of just you know each job is a new experience like what is it what what have you sort of learned after this time and sort of what keeps you going
1: yeah, each job is a very, very different experience, and you have to be very adaptable and uh, keep an open mind, and really try not to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. Try not to fall back on that. Yeah, know? and yeah, and here's the thing: you you get to look into the eyes of these other people that are playing the other characters, and if you really are present and I'm not saying I'm always present because nobody's perfect, right? But if you, on the occasions that you are, you get a lot coming back from your fellow actor, some more than others, but you, you get stuff, and that really informs what you're doing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it, too, because if you. Or constantly think like, well, what can I get out of this? And you're focused on yourself. Then you're immediately not a part of a collaborative process. No, that would
1: not be a good, healthy way to proceed.
0: But you actually do get the thing. You actually do get that back when you give it out there. Yes. At at the same time. I
1: mean, there was like, I did a play once, a Beth Henley play. I love Beth Henley's writing. And I did uh, my first Beth Henley play. I did five of hers. First one was with Holly Hunter. Oh, wow. And you come and holly was the, the lead and i was a supporting character and you come on stage and look at holly and you your job's done <laughs> uh, you, you know because so much is coming at you and and in, 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 in a, such a real way that it makes you better and, and there are a lot of a- actors not a lot but there are actors like that that if you're fortunate Enough to work with them, they will make you better.
0: That's incredible. That's true. Well, as we're as we're winding this down, mm-hmm. we've already. This is like this. This hour just sailed by.
1: Yes, um, it did. Thank I, you.
0: I really hope you had a nice time because I. It, I had
1: a great time. I was so
0: excited to meet you, and I didn't want to get all nervous and mealy mouthed and flubby because you are. You really are one of those people that is so ingrained in so many of our hearts because. You know, again, it's you. You you give a lot of credit to like, well, the writing was good and this, but you've created these characters, you know, and I, you're someone that if I hear you're anything, I always go, oh my god, she's she's great. I'm excited because you're you're great to watch.
1: Astounding, thank you. And
0: so, what is? uh, And this, I've had an absolute. Blast talking to you, and Me too I'm just absorbing you. all of these amazing stories about these things that I love. But what are you personally joyful about, and sort of what keeps you happy? And what just some tips for people who have difficulty getting out of their own heads in life?
1: I, I guess, you know, my. I still have my mother. I'm so lucky. Oh, wow, my mother is 93. Her name is Joy Kane. She's a composer. Oh, wow. She has a lot of material on YouTube, which is exquisite. Joy that's, Kane.
0: Is she a pianist?
1: She's a pianist, a composer, and um, she has written seven teaching books and She has a piece on called "Neige" about snow that is so beautiful. It's breathtaking. I hope you'll watch it. I will. And um, so having my mama, having my dog, my beautiful little Johnny, having my friends, you know, um, and turn of classic movies.
0: <laughs> See, this is great because all the things you're talking about are those important life things. And when we start out, I think we think it's all about our career or our job and that's our identity. And then at a certain point, hopefully we figure out like that uh, stuff's great, but it's the it's the life stuff and the relationships that yeah. really keep us,
1: keep and, us and I'm going. lucky enough to have, you know, friends for forty something years that are still very close to me. And that is a great, great thing, you know
0: that's phenomenal well i hope this I hope this play works out that you thank did the you. reading of, and I hope I get to come see you do something live Ooh, okay. uh, in the near future, so. so thank you for being here. People should watch hunters they should watch I
1: start streaming. Tomorrow, by It starts the way, yeah, so on, by the time this Amazon.
0: goes up, it'll it'll be up. Oh, it'll be available. It's, it's up! Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'll be up and available. You've and just,
1: never seen anything like it. Jordan Peele one of the that. producers, yeah.
0: and so uh, it's I'm I'm really excited about it. They sent me a link, but I couldn't get it to work. So oh, I'll
1: dear. but
0: also I'll just watch it. I'll just watch it with my Amazon Prime membership. Okay, like everyone else. Okay, uh, Carol Kane. Any any last words of wisdom, a motto, a nugget, something, a, nugget. a mantra.
1: No, I'm just grateful to have been here. And I think you're just a lovely person.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that.
1: That's my nugget.
0: <laughs> I, I, I happily accept that nugget. Thank I'll be you. feasting on that nugget for several weeks now.
1: Oh, good. You want to
0: go home, if my wife is like, you're being irritating. Well, Carol, Carol Kane says I'm delightful.
1: <laughs> okay, so, yeah. you can use it.
0: I will. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: Thank <laughs> the you. The end. Thank you. ID Tanti Skinning Complete. Enjoy your burrito. We'll <makes> be <noise>